Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good morning. It is time to get up with a Thursday night thumping. Is there any way the coach makes it through this day? We're all over it right off the top. Meanwhile. Dak and the boys shuffle off to Buffalo for the game of the week. Which QB rises to the top in a must-win for both teams? And then, the day after Draymond, Steve Kerr finally speaks. The question is, what happens now? We've got the answer as we get up with you, starting right now. Here we go, people, on a football Friday. Let's do this thing. Graz and Tannenbaum are here. Bart Scott is on the way. Lewis Riddick is up with us early this morning. We'll explain about Bart. It's pathetic. But Lewis Riddick is up early this morning. Monica and Wendy coming on the basketball, but we begin with an absolute embarrassment on Thursday night football. Not even Justin Herbert could have helped. Easton Stick starting for the Chargers. Raiders, who were shut out on Sunday, already led 7-0 in the first quarter. That's Trey Tucker from Aiden O'Connell. It's 14-0 that I mentioned they were shut out by Minnesota five days ago. Now here we go on the other side. Josh Kelly takes the pitch. That one is fumbled. Raiders are going to get it back, Graziano. They fumbled four times in the first half and lost three of them. It, it, just an embarrassing performance. We're still in the first quarter. This is yeah. Jacoby Myers. It's 21-0. They were shut out yeah. on Sunday. Now we're late in the first half. It's 35-0 Raiders. And then it is O'Connell. And then it is Tucker. It's 42 nothing at the half. They can end this game right now and stop it on cut screening. Richard Sherman suggested they fire Brandon Staley at halftime. Final seconds of the third. Here's the really embarrassing, well, one of the many embarrassing moments. That's a fumble. This is John Jenkins, who weighs 327 pounds. Somebody could have caught him. I could have caught him. No one (laughs) gave chase. It took him nine seconds to get to the end zone. It's 56-7 when that happened. Jack Jones with the interception. Raiders win it 63-21. Did I mention they were shut out five (laughs) days ago by Minnesota? Brandon Staley is a defensive coach. Last night, 63 points, a franchise record for the Raiders. Second most points scored after a shutout loss in NFL history. Eight different Raiders scored a touchdown in the game last night. It's the first time that has happened since 1950. Here was Chargers coach Brandon Staley after the game. Do you expect to be the coach here tomorrow? I don't know that. Do you you think you should be? Yes. Why? I know that what I've done here for three years, and I know what I put into this, and you know I know that we're capable of going. It's games like this happen in the NFL. To every coach that's ever coached in this league, you can look at any great coach that's ever coached in the league. Sometimes games like this happen. That's not true. <laughs> I mean, sometimes games like this happen. They've happened twice before in the 102-year history of the National Football League. Uh, Lewis Riddick, I mean, what do we, it's, it's very difficult to know what to say coming out of something like that. Um, yeah. What are the first words out of your mouth this morning? 
I think that right there was a real live, in-your-face display of what it looks like when players lose their competitive spirit and when they literally shut it down and they don't lock in and they're just scoreboard watching and wondering, when the hell is this game over? When can we get on the bus? When can I pick up my box lunch and get on the plane and go home? That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like when they are no longer believing what you're telling them, that they're no longer playing with the kind of like self-pride, with the kind of self-respect that is really supposed to be, you know, uh, you know, something that professionals put on display, you know, regardless of what the circumstances are. And it, and it was really surreal kind of sitting there watching it because there are some fantastic, fantastic players on this football team, on particular on the defensive side of the football. There are some fantastic players at every level of that defense and you just kind of sat there and you watched them. I'm trying to put myself back in their shoes because I've been a part of, you know, I've been a part of situations in teams where the season kind of got out of hand and you kind of knew that there was change on the horizon, you know, once the season was over. And I tried to, like, take myself back to what that mindset is like. And I'm not going to say it's not that it's easy. It isn't easy when you know that somehow, some way that there was going to be change and that you're not any longer buying into the program and buying into what is being told to you. And I could see that in the body language, in particular, like on the offensive side of the ball as well. The offensive lineman kind of milling around after every play. The running back gets knocked down, quarterback gets knocked down. And the linemen are just kind of like walking back to the huddle like, yeah, what's the next play? Yeah, when are we going to go ahead and punt? Yeah, when can I just get off the field here? And when you get to that point, look, I understand there may not be precedent for this organization and for this ownership group as far as firing coaches in the middle of the season. But Brandon Staley has lost this football team. That's just a fact. I don't care what he says, and I respect him, and I like Brandon, and I know him personally. But he's lost this team. It's time to turn the page and get a jump start on who's going to lead this team next. I, I think it's a reasonable way to put it. I, I don't know Brandon Staley. This is not a criticism of him as a human being. Right. It, there is just zero question that he has lost this team, that they have underachieved. This was an all-in season. I mean, the, wor the worst news for the Chargers is it's about to get much, much worse. They put everything into winning it right now. Mike T., you've been a general manager in two different situations. Is there benefit to firing him today rather than waiting until January 8th? Absolutely, and I agree with Lewis. He, he's a good person. We're talking about man's job, but it, it's, it's over, it, and that's clear. I've been in this situation. We let Joe Philbin go on a bye week, put Dan Campbell in, and the rest was history in terms of we knew we had a coach. I think because of this mini buy, you have to do it today. And the only name that you look at would be Kellen Moore to say, can it get better? But you have to take advantage of the bye week. They have three big games coming up to the extent that the last three games on their schedule are all against teams that have a lot to play for. They yep. play the Bills, the, the Broncos, and the Chiefs. So it's not going to get easier right. for the rest of the way out. People will perceive this job, Dan, because yep. of the presence of Justin Herbert as a very attractive one. And there is one name that is going to start getting thrown out, maybe has already been starting to get thrown yeah, out. It, we're, we're, we're assuming a number of things right now with, with four weeks left in the season. But uh, assuming that job comes open with the charges, whether it's this week or after the season, and assuming New England moves on from Bill Belichick, I, I think there's going to be a lot of people that connect those two situations because, you know, Justin Herbert looks like a, a ready-made quarterback you can win with, um, and, and the roster is going to need work. They're going to make some tough decisions here in the offseason because of, of some of their contracts and some of their cap issues. So it might be a bigger rebuild than people assume, but I think the opportunity to coach Justin Herbert will be a very popular one. I think that'll make this a very attractive job to a lot of people. And if, as we believe is, is more and more likely to happen, the Patriots decide to make a change, and if Bill Belichick in that case wants to continue coaching, 
I would not be surprised to see that connection. Very quickly, as a man who has saunaed with Bill in the past, is that a fit that you could see? No, I don't think so. I don't think that fits with that organizational structure. I think the ideal fit is Jim Harbaugh. Greeny, when you go back to the University of San Diego, Stanford, San Francisco, and now Michigan, he has maximized the quarterback. And if I am the Spanos family, it is Jim Harbaugh and then everyone else. And I can tell you, he loves Justin Herbert. Jim Harbaugh loves mm-hmm. Justin Herbert. I've Everybody told the story Herbert. on the air many times. Like everybody, everyone loves the potential of Justin Herbert. So for, for his, because of him alone, that becomes an attractive opening one yes. way or another. That was an embarrassing way to open what should be a very good weekend in the NFL. The best game of the weekend will come in the late afternoon slot on Sunday, and that will be Dak and the Cowboys shuffling off to Buffalo to take on Josh Allen and the Bills. The Cowboys riding a five-game win streak looking for a signature road win. They've been a very different team home road this year. Meanwhile, Allen and the Bills desperately need to win. They may need to win out to get into the playoffs. So this game means everything to both sides. So Dak and Josh Allen have both put up huge numbers this season. Actually, somewhat similar if you look at them. They're both top five in QBR under pressure outside the pocket. Third down, fourth quarters of games. They're the only two quarterbacks in the NFL to rank top five in all four of these areas. So this is a showdown that seems to have absolutely everything you could want. So, Lewis Riddick, let me start again with you. When, when we get in here on Monday morning yep. and we're doing the show, what will we say was the reason that the team that won the game won the game? I'll give you two reasons. One, it's going to be turnover differential. Five of Buffalo's six losses can be attributed to points scored off of turnovers by the opponent, which directly led to Buffalo losing the football game. So turnover differential for Buffalo has to be something that is prioritized. Make no mistake about it. You can make whatever excuse you want, and we can we can go ahead and go through interception by interception for Josh Allen in particular and understand and kind of like uh, get to the bottom of the story of what is behind each one of those interceptions. But the fact of the matter remains, they better win the turnover differential. Number two, they better win on first down and not get behind the sticks against this hellacious pass rush that Dallas opposes to its, uh, to its opponents. And that means this. That means James Cook has to be a feature part of this offense. And he has been under new OC Joe Brady. Over the past three games, he has been one of those guys who, in terms of total yardage gained from scrimmage, has been an absolute difference maker, both running the football and catching it out of the backfield. And I think that is something that could really be a problem for the Dallas Cowboys defense on the second level where James Cook does his work. So I think those would be the two things. One, turnover differential. Two, when we're talking about Buffalo, because I'm picking Dallas to win this football game, Mm -hmm. so I'm talking about it from Buffalo's perspective, James Cook has to be the difference. Josh Allen can have his signature moment. He's going to do his thing, but this game is about James Cook, not about Josh Allen. Actually, Cindy, let's put the picks on the screen because everyone but me is picking the Cowboys to win this weekend. I'm not losing my membership card in the Bills Mafia. I'll tell you right now, they adopted me last week. These are fun (laughs) people to have on your side. I'm not going to lie to you. And they'll fight your battles for you online without your help. You, however, you took it a step and a half further in our meeting this morning. Dallas will not punt. Because of the injuries that Buffalo has. Not punt! Not punt! Buffalo, because of their injuries, Mm. Greeny, if they can't get pressure, their opposing offenses complete 75% of their passes. 
Dak Prescott will complete 82%. They're going to score 40 points, and they will go up and down the field against Buffalo. You know why? They have the great Tyron Smith at left tackle, and the difference between Kansas City and Dallas right now is the offensive lines, and that's why Kansas City wasn't a great matchup against Buffalo, and that's why Dallas is. Talk to me here, Graziano. I think not punting is interesting. I mean, they, they are in field goal range as soon as they cross the 50. But that's what <laughs> kicker, right? I mean, like, he's as good as anybody. But look, I think if you look at these two teams right now, Dallas's offense is operating very smoothly, very efficiently. Everything looks easy for them on offense right now. It does not look the same in Buffalo, right? Buffalo is a, is a, is a wide receiver offsides penalty away from losing last week's game, right? So, like, they're not, they're not necessarily uh, clicking to the extent that Dallas is. It is a road game for the Cowboys, and they're not the same team on the road. It is going to be pouring rain there, from what I understand, according to the forecast on Sunday. So there are things that could ugly it up and make it a more challenging game for Dallas in terms of you know, their ability to look as good as they've been looking. But based on the way they're playing, based on how healthy they are, based on their personnel and the, and the way their coaching is right now, I, I favor them in this game just because I think they're the superior team, and Buffalo... They have those holes on defense, right? I mean, the, the key players, Tredavious White, Matt Milano, not exactly. there uh, out due to injuries. So Buffalo's the more desperate team. But Dallas is still trying to win a division here, so it's not like they're going to let down off of the Philly game. Agreed. To Graz's point, that's what I'm saying. Buffalo has to generate pressure to cover up for those deficiencies. I, I actually don't. I think that both teams are desperate. The Bills are desperate to get into the playoffs. If the Cowboys want to win that division, though, they have to win these games. Sure. The Eagles are going to have an easier time. Give me a final word. Lewis, weather could be a bit of a factor. We're talking about rain. We'll see if that matters. Final thought, Lewis. Yeah, this, this has to be Dallas's signature moment as far as the regular season is concerned. This has to be the game that people point to and then project forward and say, if they can play like that on the road, up there in Buffalo, hostile environment, adverse weather conditions, then I believe that once the postseason rolls around, this team can go anywhere and will rise to the occasion now that the postseason is here. This is that moment for this football team, I believe, and I do believe they will rise to the occasion. Cowboys have a tough stretch. Beginning with this, they still have Baltimore on the schedule. They still have Miami on the schedule. It's going to get very interesting. Meanwhile, our only departure from football on this Friday will come up here shortly. The fallout from Draymond Green, his coach finally calling out his actions last night. You'll hear it, and we'll figure out where it goes from here. Plus, Travis tease off at the Chiefs' biggest critics after Sunday's meltdown. Can Mahomes and company get things together before it's too late? Answers to those and other questions as we get up with you on ESPN. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Back on Get Up, our only departure from football on this Friday. Warriors forward Draymond Green. We know about the indefinite suspension for what happened Tuesday night with Yusuf Nurkic. It's his second suspension this season. Last night, Steph Curry and finally Steve Kerr speaking for the first time since the suspension took place. The conversations we had yesterday were about him you know, personally and making sure the focus is getting right, getting, you know, on a path that's going to allow him to be who he needs to be as a, as a person, as a man, father, husband, and a basketball player um, in that order. The one who, uh, you know, grabbed Rudy and choked Rudy, the one who took a wild flail at Yusuf, the one who punched Jordan last year, that's the guy who has to change. Look at the past year and what's happened. It's clear he needs the opportunity to change, and that's what an indefinite suspension gives him the opportunity for. And so the conversations continue. By the way, the Warriors lost to the Clippers last night. Monica McNutt up with us early this morning in Phoenix as she travels with the Knicks. And Wendy Weevils, Brian Winhorst, will start with you. So, so we hear finally from the Warriors' biggest names yesterday. What sorts of things, what, what did you hear in those guys' words, and what other things did you hear around the league yesterday? Well, Michael, Michael Dunleavy, their general manager who spoke before, Steph Curry and Steve Kerr, echoed pretty much the same sentiment, which is they need Draymond to make some changes, but they are still supporting him and believe on the other side of this that he will return to being the productive player that he's been largely for the last decade. But the thing about it is, is that there is, you know, there's empathy for Draymond Green out there. Rudy Gobert said as much last night, speaking for the first time after the suspension, after what happened to him. But there's not sympathy for the Warriors. They recognize that there's been four suspensions since the Warriors basically gave him a repercussion-free, um, you know, situation after the, the punch to Jordan Poole and that they have sort of reaped what they've sowed here. And, like, at the end of the day, if Draymond Green does need some, you know, to have some help to deal with whatever is causing this. Everybody wants to support that. But what has been clear is I have talked to people in the league and players as well. Nobody wants to get hit in the face when they're playing defense. Nobody wants to get kicked in the groin. Nobody wants to get stepped on. Nobody wants to get choked. And so beyond all the feelings and the words and everything like that, because Draymond Green has said words before, the Warriors have said words before, bottom line, it's got to stop. So now it comes down to the actions that are taken by the league, by the Warriors, and especially by Draymond. So, Monica, we've not had you here this week, and I think everyone is interested to hear what your perspective on all of it is going all the way back to Tuesday night and then all the reaction and the, and the, and the things you've heard also from the players that you've been around. 
Well, I will say that I think indefinite was a little bit of a double-edged sword in that you don't want to see that idea tossed around flippantly. But I do think the sentiment seems to be that it is 100% appropriate because you just don't know what is going to be needed to actually reach a resolution and make progress when we're talking about Draymond's behavior. Um, Wendy nailed it. Like, I'm over here nodding my head as he said it. There's empathy, but not sympathy. And I think to the night on the, in, the incident on Tuesday night, if you look at the still photos, the Warriors bench is, like, not reacting. The looks are completely fed up. And come on, dude, we're over it. And so I think internally, it's just been a matter of time until we get to this point, and here we are. What sorts of things you you uh, travel with the Knicks and, and you had a game uh, two nights ago and you're there in Phoenix for that now. I, I'm sure players are talking about this. What sorts of things are you hearing the other players around the league saying about it? Well, uh, the sentiment seems to be, come on, dude, like you just can't do that. And so I think in particular, it's interesting. And I know you guys have talked about it a ton this week. It is sort of the culmination of this behavior that is no longer acceptable and this interesting state of affairs when it comes to the Warriors being who we've seen them be over the last decade. And so I think guys just want the opportunity to play basketball without a bunch of antics. This is not even about bullying. It's not about being the tough guy. This is just ridiculous antics and it's not a part of the game. So I think people were a little bit surprised by indefinite, but nobody felt like the sentiments that I've heard, nobody felt like it was inappropriate. So, Wendy, then let's consider also the repercussions on this dynastic group. Steve Kerr is desperately trying. You were telling us in our meeting he made changes in his starting lineup last night and all sorts of things. They're desperately trying to find some answers for a team that feels like it is coming to the very, very end of something that has been very special. Where does it go from here? Yeah, they are absolutely scrambling as a team right now. Steve Kerr took Andrew Wiggins out of the starting lineup last night. The first time in his career he has not started a regular season game. He put Brandon Pajemski, who's their rookie, who they never thought they would start uh, in a December game, into the starting lineup. Jonathan Kaminga replaced Draymond Green. They're searching. They are now four games under 500. They were 0-3 on this road trip. The Western Conference is deep and robust, and they are losing ground, and there's no sign of when Draymond can be back. Steve Kerr is hopeful that these changes are going to spur them. He said he likes them. He actually thinks they're going to go on a run. I'm peeking ahead at their schedule. They've got games with the Celtics uh, and, and Nuggets coming up. They've got a couple games with the Blazers. I don't think it's going to be easy at all for them. And now, you know, 25 games into the season, their margin for error is non-existent. They are holding this together right now. I wouldn't give up on any team in the NBA uh, in December because I know the restorative value of the length of the season. But they're in a rough spot. They're in a rough spot right now, and they definitely are crumbling a little bit. All right, one thing just to leave it with a smile on our face here. Hey, Monica, I just wanted to see this one play last night. We'll call it some eye candy from the NBA last night. At Denver, Christian Brown. Take a look at this slam. Tell me what you see here, Monica McNutt. Running the dun, break. Dun, 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 dun. Oh! Oh, man. <laughs> Ooh, man. Christian Brown, look, he is very excited about his continuing growing role with the Nuggets. They're excited about him. This young man is playing with tremendous confidence. And I know folks are talking about the depth of the Nuggets if they're going to run it back. Christian Brown certainly wants to be a part of that solution. That was nasty. In other news, they were up 103-78 when it happened. I would t- think, Monica, oh, you're that. the best for getting up with us early this morning. <laughs> NBA doubleheader tonight. We got LeBron and we got Wemby. It's a good start to our doubleheader tonight with the Lakers and Spurs. Then KD and the Suns hosting Monica's Knicks. Coverage begins with NBA Countdown 7 Eastern on ESPN and the ESPN app. Coming up, bad blood. Travis Kelsey tees off, and wait till you hear who he's mad at. 
The question is, does the road to the Super Bowl still go through Kansas City? Plus, is it really time to panic in Philadelphia, or are we overreacting after two straight blowout losses? We're back to a football Friday next. Get up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. We are back on Get Up. Bottom of the hour. We showed you the absolute blowout that was the Raiders and Chargers last night. Hey, Chris Canty, look at the two defensive touchdowns. First off, this is John Jenkins. Let's go, big fella, John Jenkins. Where's Marcus Spears when you need him? But a big man balling. You love to see a defensive tackle getting his hand on a ball. And the best was AP's reaction, head coach Antonio Pierce. They love him out there with the Vegas Raiders. You saw how the team responded last night. Not a whole lot of pursuit. And then how about this? Defensive one-handed interception from Jack Jones. Yeah, I mean, Long Beach Poly stand up. Not only is your interim head coach from there, but Jack Jones is from there. Making plays, two defensive scores. That was an outstanding play, leading to an outstanding night for both the defense and the Raiders. Yeah, and not so outstanding for the Chargers. And, no. and we opened the show this morning talking about it. What what are the right your overall on sportsmen like on ESPN Radio this morning and every morning? What are you saying about the Chargers and their head coach? I'm surprised that Brandon Staley made the flight back to LA. I, I just don't understand why the Chargers as an organization don't use the mini buy as a natural opportunity to part company from Staley. They know they're moving on from him after the next three games anyway. And I get it. You don't necessarily have an in-house candidate that you need to get an extended look at in an interim head coach role, but you do need to send a message about what your program will be about moving forward, what the standards should be, what you're trying to build around Justin Herbert. By continuing to employ Brandon Staley after what we saw last night, that embarrassment added on top of what this season has looked like, you have to hold somebody accountable, and the head coach is a good place to start for that organization. I feel the need to remind everyone once again that the Raiders five days ago scored zero points in a game against Minnesota, and last night they scored 63 
By the way, Brandon Staley was a defensive coach before he <laughs> took over the program with the Chargers. Okay, let's play the game that is sweeping the nation. It's called Can He or Can Let's he? go! Let's start in Buffalo. Can Josh Allen outplay Dak Prescott? Can he or can't he? He can. Josh Allen has 35 total touchdowns to Dak Prescott's 30. Dak is second in QBR. Josh Allen is third. So the dude has the ability, and I can't get the Eagles game out of my mind, even though it's an overtime loss. There was no question that Josh was the best player on the field, and that was a game where Jalen Hurts had five touchdowns, so he absolutely can, especially what new the offensive coordinator Joe Brady has done, done with the scheme. I'm totally with you. Let's go to Pittsburgh. Can Mike Tomlin fix what's wrong with the Steelers? Can he or can't he? He can, and I didn't know the Pittsburgh Steelers were broken because Mike Tomlin only needs two more wins in order to extend his streak of being 500 or better to 17 seasons. Now, the offensive coordinator, that unit is a work in progress, but think about it. He's overcome quarterback injuries, suspect quarterback play, Alex Highsmith, Mika Fitzpatrick, all of those guys missing significant time this season, and they're still in the playoff fight. And in fact, they, right now they're in it. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, can he and his receivers get on the same page? Can he or can't he? He can't. I mean, because if they could, they would have by now. They've lost four of their last six, and that receiving core leads the league in drops. I just don't know that they're going to be able to overcome this. Pat Mahomes can overcome a lot of defensive schemes. Apparently, he can't overcome uh, his general manager, Brett Beach, and Andy Reid not being able to supplement the receiving core after moving on from some of the key stalwarts. Yeah, look, I mean, they've used second-round picks on receivers the last few years. Sky Moore and Rasheed Rice, and mm -hmm. it just hasn't Kadarius paid Tony, off. A third-round pick they traded to yep. the Giants hasn't worked out. And he had been a first-round pick, and we saw what happened last week. Now, I want you to hear, if you haven't yet, what Travis Kelsey said this week on his podcast with his brother. He has a message for us. Listen. We're not rolling like we we have been in the past, man. And um, I know a lot of there's a lot of media pointing fingers at uh, some of the skill players that we have. I say that, and excuse my language. Uh, we usually cuss in lighthearted ways, but this is uh, I felt like you guys had to feel that whoever's talking on uh, on the the skill players in uh, in our offense right now. So uh, we feel it, uh, yes. No, obviously he's feeling it. <laughs> yeah, I mean because that's ridiculous. But uh, it's a pretty bad look for the defending Super Bowl champions to open the week complaining about the officials and close it complaining about the media. I think they have some problems in their own building that are real. They lead the league in dropped passes. Saying that is not a criticism; it is a fact, and it is. It is hurting their chances to win. I don't think we're at all wrong in saying that. And if Travis Kelsey wants to try and rally his teammates around something like blame the media, or if Patrick Mahomes wants to rally his teammates around something like blame the officials, good. I hope it works for them because I don't really care what they think. We're not saying anything here that isn't, that isn't true. It's a, really, it's a well-made point. They're mad at the officials, and the officials got the call right. They did. They're mad at the media for criticizing the receivers who are objectively playing badly, so we're right. So you're, I think that's a really well-made point. I'm glad you made it. Go. Yeah, I disagree with uh, Graz. I agree with Travis Kelsey. It's not their skill players. It's their offensive tackles. They have enough weapons to score enough points. But you go back two years ago, Greeny, when they got waxed in the Super Bowl by Tampa Bay and Tampa Bay, it was an overwhelming defensive front seven of Tampa Bay that really corralled Patrick Mahomes. Their mm. answer was the right one. They fixed the offensive line. Their two tackles have 25 penalties between the two of them. That's what's going to send them home, not their skill players. Lewis, let me get you in. Let me get Lewis Riddick in here. Now, uh, Canty, I can see, is, is chomping at the bit. But a phrase that Mike uh, uh, Tannenbaum uses a lot that I use is, this time of year, the answers have to be in the building. 
are the answers for the mm. chief's problems in their building? No, not no, they're not. Not not to what you know, not up to the standard that this team is accustomed to. Not if they're going to want to win the Super Bowl. I just don't think they have good enough players on the perimeter. And I love Travis Kelsey and I love Brett Veach. Everyone knows I'm close to those guys. So, but but I mean, look, they're just not good enough. Andy Reid used to say to us all the time when we were in, in Philadelphia, the number one job requirement of a pass catcher is really in the title, catch the pass. <laughs> and if you can't do that, that's a bit of a problem. Okay, and there's just no way around that. I understand what Travis is trying to do. We understand why Patrick is frustrated. I think his frustrations go back really to the Green Bay game when Marquez Valdez-Scantling was obviously, obviously interfered with. But no, I think on the perimeter, their explosive play rate, which was number one in 2022, has dipped down to firmly in the bottom half of the NFL. I think right now they're at number 21. They're like right above or below the New York Giants. They're just not good enough at being able to create those kind of plays that can flip the game around. And I will disagree a little bit with Mike as far as the offensive line is concerned because really, I mean, when you're looking at it objectively, this team, this offensive line right now is number one in pass block win rate. So there's, they're able to protect Patrick long enough to where he can get the ball where it needs to be gotten to. They just aren't catching it. Or the receivers aren't where he expects them to be. And when you have that kind of inconsistency – yeah, it's cool to go ahead and make the playoffs, maybe win the division, maybe go ahead and win a playoff game, but that's not the standard in Kansas City. The standard there is going to Super Bowls and hosting Lombardis, and they don't have the answers in their building for that. I just don't see it, and that takes a lot for me to say considering who they have at quarterback and who their head coach is, but I just don't think that they're equipped to go ahead and deal with the power structure that exists right now in the AFC. And look, we know we have a problem when we're sitting here, if, if, if everyone's debating which is the bigger problem that we have on yeah. our offense right now. So it all adds up to their offense isn't what it usually is, yeah. and they have the best player in the world yeah. in the middle of it. So I'll ask you this question, because there are a lot of teams in the AFC that have a lot of question marks. We've got a ton of quarterback injuries. No one looks great in that conference necessarily. So if not literally, then figuratively – the road to the Super Bowl for the last almost decade now has yeah. gone through Kansas City and the AFC. Yeah. Does it still? No, it doesn't. And, and here's the problem with all of the parity in the AFC and there being only one team that has double-digit wins through week 14, it exacerbates the failure that you've seen from the general manager and the head coach in terms of not replenishing the receiving ranks and not necessarily getting the productivity with guys that you've used a lot of draft capital on in order to acquire. And looking at where they're at right now, it is on the board that the Kansas City Chiefs don't win their division. Like, that's a, they're, they're only a game in front of the Denver Broncos yeah, right now. Yeah. And here's the thing to push back on what Mike T said. It wasn't Jawan Taylor that lined up offside in that game against uh, No, he uh, was three yards in the backfield, no, actually. <laughs> he was, well, what, what's the rushing <laughs> opposite? Oh, no, no, no. He wasn't the one that was flat. It was Kadarius Tony that caused He should have been, though. Hold on, let me finish. And then you had the game against the Philadelphia Eagles where MBS dropped the pass. It wasn't, it wasn't the offensive tackle that dropped the pass. It was the wide receivers. So, again, we have instances in games, in consequential moments, that cost this team wins. I don't know how you can look at the problems on the offensive side of the ball and not say that the biggest ones are in that receiving core. That, that's fine. The, the point is, if we're fighting over what the biggest right. problem is, it means we have a really big problem. So, Lewis, what is, what is the team mm. then? 
Like, I, I can't find one in the AFC that I point at and I say, oh, yes, they look great. They are, they are peaking at the right time. The Ravens have the best record. There's something about watching them that it just doesn't quite add up to me. I, I guess you would, by default right now, lean to them. Mm. Where would you point then, Lewis, if you don't think the road right this minute feels like it goes through KC? Where does it go through? Look, I, I would have said Miami up until the point where their offensive line has started to get decimated right now. Yep. And then and it's just one of those situations where you're sitting there going, well, damn. I mean, that just kind of throws everything up in the air. You could point to Baltimore. I mean, I understand. Look, Baltimore has a, an absolutely just terrifying defense, a dynamic playmaker on offense at the quarterback position, a wide receiver, Odell Beckham Jr. starting to come along. But I, I don't know because I'll tell you this. Matthew Stafford looked fantastic against them last week. He yep. really diced up that secondary. He really stretched it to its limits. So right now, I don't know if there really is a clear-cut favorite in the AFC. There's a bunch of teams right at the very top that could all beat each other on a given day. Buffalo can beat any one of these teams on yeah. any given day, and so can Kansas City. So I will say this about KC. I will say this. Look, a guy like Rasheed Rice, this is a guy who was like tremendous at SMU. These guys can catch but a lot of times this gets in your head and it just starts to snowball. And maybe that's what Travis Kelsey's referring to. We have the answers. But they damn well better start catching the football or they're going to be on the outside looking in. It's just that simple. That, that was sort of the point I was leading to is in the absence of any other obvious place to go, I'll still take number 15. I, I, I will still point at him I and I will say yeah. if i got to trust one thing, I'll trust yeah. him, right? But he can't throw it and catch it. No, I get it. Or block. He can't throw it and will, catch it. I, will, right. I believe the Chiefs are not AFC champions when I see them lose the playoff game. Yeah. That's I, when I'll believe it. Someone's going to have to knock out the champ in order too. to take away the belt. Big fella, uh, unsportsmanlike ESPN Radio every morning, coast to coast. Thank you, Chris Canty. Bowl mania begins Saturday. we got three games on ABC starting noon Eastern. Howard and Florida A&M and the Cricket Celebration Bowl. Then Miami of Ohio taking on App State and the Avocados from Mexico Cure Bowl. And then we finish up with UCLA and Boise State in the Starco Brands L.A. Bowl. All the action is coming up on Saturday. Coming up, is it time to panic in Philadelphia? Are the Eagles no longer Super Bowl contenders? We'll dive into that. And Bart Scott will Whoa, 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 whoa. Look who's here. Suited and booted and late for work. We'll show, explain show that. Show starts at 8 today, just <laughs> FYI. It was hard to figure out how to tie this wins or not. Like, we'll be right back. Great job. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back on Get Up. Our next game is called Is That Ridiculous with Lewis Riddick. Here we go. Lewis, if someone says Brock Purdy is the most important player on the 49ers, is that ridiculous? No, it's not ridiculous. And just listen to their own – listen to the organization talk about this guy as far as guys like Trent Williams when you're talking about guys like Kyle Shanahan as well. It all starts with Brock Purdy. The level of efficiency – that he is playing with right now from an objective standpoint, when you look at the numbers, is second to none. And then, as Kyle Shanahan said himself, when you watch the tape, 
you understand why this offense is humming along the way it is right now and why he should be the front runner for the MVP as we stand. Next, let's go to Chicago. If I said the Bears should keep Justin Fields, is that ridiculous? Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this one, and I'm going to say it's not ridiculous, only because I think there's more information that needs to be had behind the scenes to figure out exactly who is at fault with the, for the uneven performances with this offense. Is it Justin Fields? Is it the play calling? Is it the, is it the perimeter players, the skilled players? I mean, what is happening as to why this guy can look so good one week and not good the next? So I want more information on this. So as of right now, I don't think it's ridiculous to say you should give him another year. Me neither. Uh, finally, if someone says the Eagles are no longer a Super Bowl team, is that ridiculous? No, that's not ridiculous either. And although they are still strong up front as far as the offensive line, the way they can capture the line of scrimmage, and this defense can still rush the passer and can still turn up the heat, they just are not producing the same kind of explosives on offense. They are not as creative on offense. Defensively at the second and third level, they can be exposed and exposed in a big way. The dismantling that San Francisco did to that football team, I think, is very, very telling, both from a physicality standpoint and then from a personnel standpoint. And I don't think that bodes well for them going forward. And then when you look at the way Dallas just got after them as well, I think this team could struggle to get back to the big game. We'll see. It's 10 and 3 right now, but as you mentioned, the last two weeks have been alarming. Their head coach, Nick Sirianni, has this to say about his team's recent slide. We're not hitting a panic button as far as we got to do everything. We didn't play good the last. We didn't play good and we didn't coach good the last two weeks. We didn't play good enough and we didn't coach good enough the last two weeks to win the games. Um, and it wasn't up to our standards. So we're pissed and we're looking for ways to, to fix that. So, Bart, as we watch this, I, there's a phrase I love to, or question I love to ask, bad sign or bad week? In this case, I guess it's two bad weeks. So was this, was this a bad sign of things to come for the Eagles, or was it just two bad weeks they can flush and get past? I mean, I think it was equivalent to a scheduling loss in basketball. When you think about the, the opponents that they had to face, how hard it was physically, how physical those opponents were, beat them down. But I think they're going to benefit from the same thing that the Dallas Cowboys benefited from in the middle of the season. Pretty much essentially the last three games are, are homecoming games. They're going to get their confidence back. They're going to get healthy. you got to remember, they, have, they depend on a lot of older players. So when you go through a physical stretch like that, it's hard to recover. You know, what makes you older is not your ability to play. It's your ability to recover. So I think these guys understand what winning time is all about. They played a lot of football in the last couple of years. I think they get rejuvenated, and I think they come out, and they understand how to win playoff games. A lot of the teams that they're going to go against don't. If you're optimistic about the Eagles, I'm going to give you another reason not to feel good. Cindy, put the picks up on the screen. If there's one thing I've learned, it's that when everyone thinks something is going to happen, <laughs> it generally never does. Nobody here riding with Seattle. The latest we're hearing is that Geno Smith is likely to play for the Seahawks. That's not an easy game. I, I know getting an ex that game got flexed into the Monday night spot. People talking about this as the beginning of an easy stretch. Their easy stretch begins next week. I don't yeah. think this is an easy week for them at all. Yeah, Seattle's, Seattle's, I think, better than they've looked over the past. And month. desperate, too. And they need to win, right? And, and you know that you know, the coaching staff there can get the team ready to go. They have the extra day because of the flex. They're, they're the home team. This is the Eagles' last uh, plane ride, I think, of the, of the regular season, right? Because right? their, their only road game they played. So the Giants, yeah. Right. And, and so uh, I think it's, it's not one to overlook. I, I obviously, they've lost two in a row. They're not going to overlook it. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, I, Seattle's one of these teams that, like, they need to get their act together if they want to save their season.
Green, they're benefiting from that extra day. Mm -hmm. Hembo game in the stat, which really paints a picture. Over their last six games, they've played 75 more plays on defense than offense. And when you watch the tape, it looks that way. They look worn down, and they miss a lot of tackles. And that's a sign of a team that's really tired. Well, so, Lewis, let, let me take it even a step farther. Mm. Um, because mm -hmm. schedules are what schedules are. You talked about how the Cowboys had their stretch. The Cowboys, the 49ers, and the Eagles are all 10-3. and three. The Cowboys have played the third easiest schedule in the NFL. The Niners have played the ninth hardest schedule in the NFL. The Eagles have played the hardest schedule in the right. NFL and have the same record. So, yep. Lewis, does this suggest, we look at their point differential, which is only plus 21, despite the fact that they're 10-3. That they're, uh, the Cowboys' point differential is plus 188. Do you see signs that suggest to you a couple of things break their way, and this team could start clicking at the most important time of the year. I, I, I don't know. I, look, I, I think against the teams that really they're going to be measured up against when it comes down to, you know, championship time, so to speak, they didn't look good. That's just a fact. Look, and I understand what they've done in the past. I understand what's in the rearview mirror in terms of them playing the hardest schedule, maybe playing a bunch of snaps, um, having an older roster. They need to recover. They need to get rejuvenated. But I'll tell you this, a fresh Philadelphia team versus a fresh San Francisco team, that's, that's really all we're talking about. We're talking about whether or not this team can get back to the Super Bowl. And right. I don't think they are equipped to deal with San Francisco. Yeah. They're just not. A fresh Dallas team, a fresh Philadelphia team, same thing. I don't think they're equipped to deal with the kind of pace, tempo, and playmaking ability that those teams have. They're just not. See, my point is Dallas won't be fresh. They got some real games coming up. And you talk about San Francisco, they got the Ravens. They're going to be in some physical um, uh, games as well. They're going to limp into the playoffs because their schedules get exponentially harder as they continue to go near the end of the season. All right, all right here's the reason I push back on that. I, I don't, I don't think – yeah, the efficiency of Dallas' offense, guys, okay. is going to save the Dallas defense. They play keep away, okay. and, the, and Dak Prescott is controlling the game okay. because of how effective they are. You know how you stay okay. fresh? You stay fresh by getting the one seed. The, bat, the race for the one seed is going to be critical. If the Eagles, to me, this is just one person's opinion, if the Eagles or Cowboys are going to get to the Super Bowl, they will have to be the one seed to do it. Otherwise, this is the San Francisco yeah. Invitational, and I don't think anybody beats the 49ers unless they get banged up. And I think it's ironic that yeah. in order to get playoff home games, the Cowboys are going to have to win some road games. I mean, three of their last four games, or, or the two of their last four games are on the road. Yeah. Or, no, three. Yeah, three. including this right one. The three game. of their last yeah. four games are on the road. And they haven't been the same team on the road. they got to show that. They're three and three on the road this year, and they haven't beaten a winning team yet. As we continue, we'll have much more on the thumping from Thursday night. Is there any way their coach even makes it through this day? If you didn't see what happened last night, quite candidly, you're not going to believe it. We will show it to you next. Plus, Dak and the boys in Buffalo to face Josh and the Bills. We'll tell you why this game will decide absolutely everything for both teams next. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. 